the state of Tennessee is one of the few places where the sounds are just as breathtaking as the sights. Whether that's live music at an historic music venue, the crack of an open fire at a campsite in the wilderness, or hearing kids laugh as they explore what's right around the bend, Tennessee just sounds perfect. Start planning your trip at tnvacation.com. Tennessee sounds perfect. This is the story of how a group of people brought music back to Afghanistan by creating their own version of American Idol. The joy they brought to the nation. You're free completely. No one is there to destroy you. The danger they endured. They said my head should be cut off. I'm John Legend. Listen to Afghan Star on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. A new season of Bridgerton is here. And with it, a new season of Bridgerton, the official podcast. I'm your host, Gabby Collins. And this season, we are bringing fans even deeper into the ton. Watch season three of the Shondaland series on Netflix. Then fall in love all over again by listening to Bridgerton, the official podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Subscribe to catch a new episode every Thursday. Ridiculous History is a production of iHeartRadio. Welcome back to the show, Ridiculous Historians. Thank you, as always, so much for tuning in. Let's hear it for our one and only super producer, Mr. Max Williams. Here he comes, Mr. Max Williams. No. I think I rhymed, he comes with yums there. I did. Now, now, Max, you're a hero of my book because people can also find you on Stuff to Blow Your Mind. That's right, always Always be closing. Max is the sort of producer to uh, who could really cut the mustard, and who oh, better? I hate that expression so much. <laughs> so, who better to join us on our continuing journey into the history of condiments? Uh, uh, Noel, I didn't want to. I didn't want to step on you while you're talking there, man. Um, you're you're Noel. I'm Ben, and you you don't dig the phrase "cut the mustard." Well, first of all, I find it perplexing. Um, mustard is not something one typically cuts. Also, I just it makes me think of like a euphemism for farting for some reason. I don't know why. Uh, and it's just the, like the visual the of it. Yeah, sure. Right. And that one, I don't, I don't care for either. But cut the mustard to me is just inexplicable. Use one spreads mustard, if that. And that's only the fancy kind that comes in a jar. I just don't know when someone would have an occasion to cut mustard. Or maybe the mustard's too bitter, well, so they need to cut it with something to make it taste better i don't know that's great they're they're talking actually about the mustard plant the proper name mm. for the condiment is prepared mustard uh that's it, it's so weird because uh when they're i i agree it, it doesn't make a ton of sense uh here in uh 2022 in this language but uh back when it was one of the main crops in the united kingdom i want to say east anglia they cut it the way you would cut corn with scythes. This is an audio mm -hmm. show, so nobody can see it, but I'm doing yeah. a pretty good scythe cutting impersonation. The most sinister of farming equipment, the yes. scythe. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, for, before we get started, do you guys, where are you at on, on mustard? The, the phrase, cut the mustard aside, mustard as a condiment. Love it. Oh, yeah. Massive fan. Mm -hmm. Massive. Even the uh, yellow mustard, like the yeah. French mustard. Sure, why not? I mean, yeah, it has its place. I like it on a French fry uh, or just on a basic burger, you know? A lot of, like, those smash burgers, they'll actually cook it with yellow mustard, like, on top. And I think that's absolutely chef's kiss. Yeah, I mean, mustard is like pizza. Even when it's bad, it's still pretty darn good. I see, okay. Now, I enjoy a lot of different kinds of mustard. We'll see there are many varieties, but I've never been a yellow mustard fan, which is part of why our ad deal with French yellow mustard fell through. You guys are right. I shouldn't have cursed as often in that mm -hmm. meeting. Mm -hmm. You know, maybe just a maybe just a light 
PG-13 approach to disagreements. Yeah, yeah. too many Fs and Jeffs. Uh, Quite a few. Uh, in, in the room. I understand, Ben. Mustard is, is, is a divisive subject. I remember being a kid and despising the stuff. I, I think as we grow up, our, our, our tasting equipment either gets a little duller as it also is getting more discerning, so we like funkier stuff. Mm-hmm. That's, that's my theory. It. Yeah, that's part of it. I would say also... Because taste is so tied up in other senses uh, and because taste is tied strongly to memory, uh, that's why smells bring back memories best. Uh, I think a lot of times humans, as they grow and spend more time in the world, they end up having these associations that change the way they encounter food that would ordinarily gross everybody else out. I'm looking at you, parts of Scandinavian cuisine. Uh, so, so thank you, Max. So, yeah, we're doing a we're doing the mustard episode part two, and uh, we may be adding to the problem when you're talking about divisiveness because mustard is definitely a number two condiment in the United States and many parts of the world outside of Chicago hot dogs. You know, it's like ketchup first, or a fish sauce, or mustard. Second. Yeah. I mean, I think I, I, I don't rem- I don't think we necessarily slammed ketchup in our ketchup episode, uh, and I do think it has a place. Uh, you know, it has a it has a, a reason to exist. But to me, it's just kind of the most basic condiment of all time. And 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 I'd love to try some of these uh, more bespoke ketchups that you mentioned, Ben. But mustard to me is just a smorgasbord of, of, of possibilities and flavor choices. You know, you got your stone ground, you got mm, your beer Dijon. mustard, you got your Dijon, you got your honey Dijon. I mean, it's, it's just, you know, it's, it's, it's a no contest for me. It's just an absolute culinary delight. You can use it, you know, coat a roast in it, you know? Mm, um, mm. So many things to do with mustard. It just really is a, a fabulous uh, uh, ingredient and con. I think it, I think it, ex- it exceeds the, the label of mere condiment. You know, yeah, it's definitely an ingredient. I I've got some great seafood dishes in my rotation that I use mustard with. Uh, and <laughs> ye of little faith, believe me. Uh, just come to Atlanta. I'll, I'll cook one for you if you want. But the thing is, mustard. If you you might love it, you might hate it, but you've tried it. Uh, according to the Simmons National Consumer Survey, out of the thirty three hundred thirty one point nine million people living in this country in the U.S. More than 286 million use mustard every single year. It's a big deal. Not all mustards are the same. It's like saying all people do this, right? Uh, there are varieties of mustard that are incredibly different from the stu- the shelf-stable stuff you will find in your grocery store. And I would posit uh, that ketchup could have done the same, but it's been so homogenized. The thing is... Um, Mustard's story is very, very different. And uh, if you hate mustard, uh, hopefully this will redeem the concept for you a little bit. Because where ketchup is almost like describing a process with vinegar and tomatoes, mustard is a real thing. Mustard is a plant. It's several different plants. That's exactly right. Uh, mustard is, in fact, much more of an umbrella term than people might think, referring to, again, we've talked about, you know, all of the varieties of mustard, but also there are a variety of plants that these uh, these come from. We know about at least 40 species of mustard plants. Um, and I think the most popular uh, is actually one called black mustard or brassica nigra, uh, which originated in the Middle East and Asia Minor. There's also brown Indian mustard from the Himalayas, uh, known as Brassica juncia, uh, and uh, white uh, slash yellow mustard, Brassica hirta, uh, and that's from uh, the Mediterranean basin. Yeah, and I, I think for a lot of people, we're, some of us may have paused when we heard the phrase black mustard. Unless you're a big mustard fan, that might be a little unfamiliar. This is popular, as you said, in the Middle East and Asia Minor, uh, but you're not going to see it as much in the West because this stuff still needs to be harvested by hand, so it's a little more expensive. Uh, If you look at the the humble mustard plant, it it looks kind of like like? a shrub. You would think, what? 
you know, very TLC. I don't want no shrubs. Uh, but it's in the same family as broccoli, Brussels sprouts, kale, kohlrabi, collard greens. They're cousins, basically. So all parts of the mustard plant are edible. But if you're talking about the condiment, which is called prepared mustard, very Boy Scout, uh, <laughs> then we're really talking about the seeds. Yeah, I mean, honestly, accurate or not, the image that I have in my mind is sort of the harvesting of poppies to make, you know, drugs. Mm -hmm. Uh, On their own, not much you can do with it, but when they're processed correctly, or like cocoa, you know, Mm -hmm. um, that it requires that that extra step to get it to the the desired uh, end result. Now, this is a family show, but I got to say, I'm just so fascinated by uh, the anonymous people throughout history who figured out very specific preparations yeah, of vegetables. Always. Like how many people died over the, over the poppies until someone said, let's put it on a bagel. You mm-hmm. know, how did they meet the bagel guy uh, <laughs> or bagel person? I, I think I can't remember the exact quote, but I think it's Ernest Hemingway who said, very brave was the man who first ate an oyster. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> and very, very brave are people who go foraging for wild mushrooms. Yeah. Do not do so no. unless you yeah. have an expert with you. Yeah, exactly. Don't just watch a YouTube video. Uh, but there is a really cool mushroom guy. I think his name's like Paul Steinmetz or something like that. He's a he's in that documentary, Fantastic Fungi. Um, but he's a great follow on Instagram if you're interested in foraging and just you know, see, he doesn't just pick the ones that make you trip balls. Like he's he's all about it. Oh, he's an equal opportunity mushroom enthusiast. But yeah, no, the, the process is key, right? Yeah, yeah. You start with the seeds of the plant. And, you know, if um, if you're one of those people like me who has a cartoonish spice rack, then you probably have mustard seeds in, in a little plastic container. Would uh, you pound those with a mortar and pestle, Ben, or what would you use those? I actually don't. Uh, have mustard seeds. Yeah, I'll, I'll pa- I typically will will pound them uh, to create a powder yeah. form. It it's it doesn't have that that um, very specific pungent nature until mm. the seeds are cracked and mixed with some sort of liquid. If you're in the United Kingdom, you're more likely to find mustard powder, right? Um, or it's easier to find it. Also might be an ingredient in like a, a masala, a garam masala, perhaps, if you're yeah. making a spice blend uh, and toasting it, you know, in the pan, yeah. you might you might do that. And then if you toast them whole in the pan, you got to be careful with the heat and the type of oil you use, but they will start to kind of pop and like crackle. It's really fun. Yeah, yeah. And also you might find it in some um, pretentious cocktails. I don't know. I just imagine mixology is going crazy. Yeah. What, you know? Like on the rim? <laughs> right, right. I call this the Colonel Mustard Old Fashioned. Eww. Anyway, uh, so you can eat the Kill leaves. Kill me with a freaking candelabra yeah. in the, in the yeah. study. So you can eat the leaves, mustard greens. Those are great. You can eat some of the stems just fresh. And we know, you know, mustard greens we're based in the south of the U.S., so we know that mustard greens are in ham and they're in pork or in soups and stews. And Similar to collards, but yeah. they don't taste mustardy, though, I wouldn't say, right? No, not no, no they, have a, they have a little bit of a bite, but they're, they're not messing with the seeds. If you want prepared mustard, the condiment, you want the seeds. You can also make an oil out of the seeds, mustard mm-hmm. oil, which I've never done, which is a big ingredient in mustardo, the most infamous condiment here. <laughs> on ridiculous history. That's the one with like the weird gelatinous like fruit cocktail stuff in it kind of. Yeah. It's just very unappealing. You guys ever seen something that gets so moldy it starts turning into like goo? Oh yeah. That's what Mustarda looks like. Yeah. yeah. It's not cute. It's got that gross slime film that's see-through. It's M-O-S-T-A-R-D-A. Mustarda di frutta. Um, yeah, candied fruit and a mustard flavored syrup. So, you know, go your own way, Italy. Uh, but I, I will probably try it at some point. So, no, we know this thing's been around. It grows wild, right? Uh, it's not a pain to find this stuff. So how long have people been messing with mustard? This episode of Ridiculous History is brought to you by Snagajob. Snagajob is where America goes to hire with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring. 
With access to over 6 million active hourly workers, Snagajob is the all-in-one solution for hiring high-quality employees who can cover all your needs on demand, temp to hire, part-time, or full-time. You name the position. Warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, podcast producer. Yeah, Snagajob's got a worker for that. With their easy-to-use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snagajob is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. Visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire. This episode of Ridiculous History is brought to you by Mint Mobile. You know, Ben, I got to say, one of the best parts about spring cleaning is that post-clean clarity you get where you're like, man, how have I been living like this? What's wrong with me? <laughs> you're right, Noel. It's, it's kind of like when you find out you've been paying a fortune for wireless when Mint Mobile has phone plans for 15 bucks a month when you purchase a three-month plan. It's time to switch to Mint Mobile and get unlimited talk, text, and data for 15 bucks a month. To get this new customer offer and your new three-month unlimited wireless plan for just 15 bucks a month, go to mintmobile.com slash ridiculous. That's mintmobile.com slash ridiculous. Cut your wireless bill to 15 bucks a month at mintmobile.com slash ridiculous. $45 upfront payment required, equivalent to $15 a month. New customers on first three-month plan only. Speed slower above 40 gigabytes on unlimited plan. Additional taxes, fees, and restrictions apply. Cement Mobile for details. This episode is brought to you by eBay Motors. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Noel, do you remember your favorite car? Well, yeah, um, it was a uh, an Eddie Bauer edition Ford Explorer. Oh, that's and cool. I, yeah, I, I just remember it was my dad's. I, I was a hand me down car kind of kid. Dad would buy a new car, I'd get that car, and I just remember feeling so awesome being up above everybody, like I was mm. in Mad Max or something. You know. I had a lot of uh, land yachts that I loved. I had Pontiac Bonnevilles. Right. Oh, I never had an El Camino. My dad had one. And that was a, that was a real interesting use of our collective time, keeping that thing running. But I think these cars all kind of speak to us because they were such a fundamental part of our lives. Do you remember when I had that Monte Carlo? That's what I meant. I, meant, <laughs> I said El Camino and I met Monte Carlo. I miss it. So uh, the Monte Carlo was tough. I had a series of Monte Carlos and the last one, God bless it. I just, I, I had to learn a lot about car maintenance just to keep that guy running. Totally. It, it still was like a, a perfect fit. It's almost like finding your true love. Uh, you know, like when you recently got a car a few years back now, Oh, man. And funny you should say that. That particular perfect fit was the Honda Fit, which I love dearly. But, Ben, it's getting a little long in the tooth. And while it's been incredibly reliable up to now, it's getting to that age where I might have to start looking for some parts here and there to keep it running. Mm -hmm. And that's where eBay Motors comes in. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly. Brake kits, LED headlights, roof racks, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. So keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. It's a good question, Ben. It really does go back, back. Back into antiquity. Um, it's, it's again, relatively easy to harvest. Uh, mustard seeds have been found in Stone Age uh, settlements or whatever you want to call them, you know, com like communities, I guess. Mustard does grow wild, uh, which is a big deal. You know, people are literally working with what they can see, you know, above the surface. They don't, they don't have even the tools yet to, to dig deep or to do any kind of, you know, more advanced cultivation. So a lot of food historians believe uh, that it was, in fact, first um, cultivated in India around 3000 BCE. And mustard seed is actually mentioned in uh, in the Bible um, because Hebrews uh, used mustard for cooking. In Abraham, um, there's a passage where it says he served cow tongue with mustard, which is actually something you could still get at a deli, mm -hmm. you know? 
Mm-hmm. Tongue is still a thing. And uh, you'd probably eat it on some rye bread with a nice bit of uh, spicy brown mustard. Yep, yep. And uh, during the Sumer period of Mesopotamia, we know that Sumerians would grind mustard seed into a paste and they would mix it with the juice of unripe grapes, which is verjuice. Uh, this is very acidic. Uh, this also plays into the name of mustard, as, as we might get to later. Uh, and this is neat because historians know this about Mesopotamia. They, since they entered this agricultural age and they were farming mustard and creating seeds, it led to an economic surplus that allowed them to create an urban environment. So mm. in that case, mustard kind of helped make cities. Wow. Who knew from such a tiny seed could flow civilization? Um, and the ancient Egyptians uh, seems to follow suit here. They were huge mustard heads as well. Um, archaeologists have found mustard seeds among, you know, the uh, the posthumous belongings of, of various uh, great kings of this era, including, uh, you know, the crowd favorite, Tutankhamun. Yeah, yeah. The Greeks also followed up. They used mustard as a spice, and they also used it as a medicine. I was wondering. They, uh, Ancient like Egyptians, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, and they had all kinds of ideas about what it what it could cure and how you would need to process the mustard and apply it. Right, I like poultice. Poultices are so fascinating to me. I don't think a lot of people know about them because you don't get hear about them being used often. Yeah, but they're so weird. I sometimes you know, they have like you know, grass and stuff in them. Yeah, and they're yeah. just like this damp agglomeration mm-hmm. that gets get sort of plopped on you. It's like a schmear, you know, it's, for the body. Oh, <laughs> uh, it's so much worse. It's gunky. That's what yeah. it is. It's medicinal gunk. But and, it also just kind of plugs up the wound, too. It it, it it has something medicinal in it, but it also largely is just kind of a low-tech bandage. Right, right. And I have seen poultices applied for a number of things, and I've always thought, just a little squigged out, I've always thought, well, it's not me at least. Uh, um, okay, so the biggest, uh, some of the biggest tryhards in Mediterranean history, <laughs> the Romans, uh, also emulated the Greeks here, like they did with basically everything. You're not fooling us, guys. Uh, they they said uh, the Greeks used mustard as food and medicine, and so do we. And the Romans said it was a cure for even more stuff. Uh, do you have a snake bite? Get some mustard. Got yeah. bubonic plague? Mustard up. Get oh, it in there. You're hysterical. Somebody get this nutso some mustard. Uh, it didn't work, <laughs> by the way, in either any of those three cases. But no. you had a nice sandwich, uh, you know, on the way with your plague. Absolutely. You could, d- you know, double dip. Yeah. <laughs> a little yeah. flatbread. I like, yeah, maybe exactly. that's the accidental <laughs> discovery. Someone's like, hey, what happened to all those plague victims? Well, they passed away, but uh, I have a sandwich that I think is going to blow your mind, my man. Dear sweet Lord, this has ventured into the the disgusting. Mm. Uh, but I'm okay with that. It's okay. We can, we can venture uh, in that direction here on Ridiculous History from time to time. Um, but yeah, so what do we, we, we've been through the Egyptians. We've got the Romans. We're about to get into more modern mustard, but first let's uh, let's take a little trip to the north of France um, where monks were messing with mustard by the ninth century in monasteries. Mustard was actually creating a a pretty sizable income stream for these monasteries. Uh, And the word itself, mustard, is thought to have originated from the word mosto uh, or grape mus, which is uh, young unfermented wine mixed with ground mustard seeds by the French monks. Those crazy monks would drink just about anything. They had a lot of time. They had a lot of time. And also it's like, it's like, it's kind of like calling it spicy grape, Uh, spicy grape juice. That's my favorite uh, soda flavor. Oh God. No, I hate grape soda. (laughs) That's more for you, man. Whenever I find. No, no, no. Spicy grape. I only like, it's a soda that only exists in my mind. Have you ever had muscadine wine? It's very big in parts of Appalachia. It's super sweet. It's so sweet and gross. It's painfully Ugh. sweet. 
Moscato. Like, I, yeah. Have you ever accidentally thought you were buying a white wine and then got it home only to realize that it was Moscato? Only once. Yeah. Never again. Never Hashtag again. Never again. Uh, also, stuff is undrinkable. What's that other stuff? Prosecco. No thanks. I'm okay with Prosecco. Uh, Prosecco is cute. Well, well, you, don't want a, you don't want a Negroni, Spagliato, well, with Prosecco in it. Well, so maybe if we put some mustard on the rim. Uh, so Ooh, that sounds off. dirty. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why. Put some mustard on the rim sounds like yeah, a euphemism. Yeah, put some mustard on the rim, baby. <laughs> yeah, no, we're doing that now. That's going to be a thing we say. We're going to say that outside of this show. <laughs> I'll be, uh, we'll be like, Max really put some mustard on the rim here. Uh, ben, you're gonna make me beef if you keep talking that way. <laughs> Don't no, beef. We're always beefing. So, uh, prepared mustard. Yeah, you you nailed it, man. So, um, the Romans, right? Famously, a bunch of tryhards. Uh, they take mustard technology and their knowledge of it to northern France. The monks get super down, and that's why prepared mustard, the condiment as we know it, begins in Dijon, France, in the 13th century. And it's thanks to a pope. Now, peek behind the curtain, folks, in the back of the kitchen where we cook all these podcasts. Earlier today, Max Knoll, our good friend, Matt Frederick, and I talked about another pope who changed the world, a guy named Greg, Greg the 13th. He's the reason we have the current calendar. G-Dog. Yep. (laughs) There's another guy, Pope John 22nd of Avignon. J-Dog. Yeah, J-Dog. Who? um, too. Yeah, old, old JX himself, uh, he really popularized mustard. In fact, he remains famous in history because in, in addition to being Pope, he made up a job for someone to supply him with mustard. I don't think people understand. Popes were at the level of A-list celebrities or athletes or uh, musicians in their day. They had entourages. Just like how you know Snoop Dogg has a guy who's in charge of snacks, the the and a blunt and a blunt roller and just the blunt roller. That's all he does. Mm-hmm. He doesn't even get the he doesn't even get the stuff that goes in the blunts. He's just the roll guy. But uh, but so believe it or not, folks, Pope John twenty two. He made up a job to hire his no account nephew to be the grand. Uh, Mustade, the mustard boy. That's a cool title. <laughs> it's sort of like a sommelier, I guess, but specifically for uh, mustard. Yeah, just mustard. And this gave this gave rise to uh, something that to an idiom, apparently, a turn of phrase in French that I was unaware of. Have you ever heard of this one, man? No, no, but. Max is making a face, and, and we all know Max is a is a lifelong mustard enthusiast. Have you heard of the mustardier? No, I've not. I now have something to aspire towards, though. Yeah. yeah what are we doing? Wasting our can, lives can away. You, can you be a self proclaimed mustardier, or is it like a certification you got to go to? And is this a, a a position that still exists today? I have so many questions. Yeah, I don't think it still exists today. There are people who specialize in making mustard, and that's you know what they do from uh, wake to sleep. But I don't think there is a grand mu- mustard maker for the Pope right now. If there is, uh, then we stand corrected and dude, we should hang out. We have so many questions. I heard this, uh, this came from a place called the goodlifefrance.com, a neat little article uh, where, wherein they say there was a popular expression that translates to, he thinks himself the Pope's head mustard maker. Anytime someone is conceited and foolish. French speakers, Tell us if you've ever heard that. What would that be? Secroye plemia mutode du pape or something like that? I don't know, man, but that sounded I'm I was I'm convinced. <laughs> well, I, I think we hold on to uh put some mustard on the rim. That might be ours. Oh, oh. <laughs> yeah. is that sort of like going hard in the paint? You know? so. yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, don't people have said put some um English on it or put some mustard yeah, on it. Yeah, put some stank on it. Put know? some stank yeah. on it, uh-huh. yeah. Yeah. 
I love this language. It's All right. fine. It's fine. It's fun to talk. But so, but but you know, but but again, to to my previous uh, sort of silly question about Mustardier being a thing, there obviously are like master, like like you have a master brewer. You know, you have someone who's like a a, a mustard boy, you know, or a mustard uh, expert. You know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. The uh, the kings of France had their own mustard makers, and one guy, Louis. Ooh, Louis the Eleventh uh, kept his own pot of mustard because it used to be in pots. Uh, it still is, right? Especially the fancy stuff. We all know. Uh, he always kept that thing on him. He had his pot of mustard with him all the time, so that if he was visiting people or he had some royal appointment offsite, he didn't have to put up with inferior mustard. Mm. Nobody wants inferior mustard. That's like. You know, a cheap cup of coffee. Nothing worse. You know? <laughs> right. Guys, li- this is the image that went in my head when Ben was reading that. I just envisioned him sitting in a room by himself eating that mustard by the spoonful. 100%. Dark room. Hell, We've all man. been there. If it's good enough. Yeah. Oh, guys, by the way, did you hear that the word of the year for Webster, um, for uh, Oxford English Dictionary is goblin mode? Yes, I did. What the f- is that? Yeah, it's you exactly. You don't know what goblin mode is? I, 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 can, can, I can infer what it is, but I've never heard a human say that before. Oh, yeah, yeah, I can figure it out, but why is that the word of the year? Like, are you kidding it's me? It's a weird one, but I will say, Ben, this this image of you in the dark, spoon-feeding yourself gobs of mustard <laughs> is pure <laughs> goblin mode. Okay, yeah, I mean, it's that for is. the gobs, at least, right? Uh, this, yeah. Goblin mode is it's like when thing. you eat fistfuls of shredded cheese in your underwear in the middle of the night. You're uh, st- you're technically living yeah. your best life, but you're also a slovenly <laughs> heathen. You know? You, oh come on! You guys don't act, don't sit here on air and act like that cheese doesn't somehow taste amazing. Oh, God, oh it's oh, the greatest thing of oh, all bro, time. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and and the grungier the underwear, the better the cheese. Is. <laughs> and then you wake up with like pieces of shredded yeah. cheese in your tiny. <laughs> it's like a werewolf waking up with blood. On their, what on have their I body. Done? What have I what done? Have but it's cheese, you know, the oh, cheese wheel. And there's a trail. There's yeah. a trail leading mm-hmm. to the scene of the crime. And the cheese cops are coming. <laughs> uh, so, God. so Charlemagne, the historical Charlemagne, paid monks to make his own personal mustard. And this, um, this is part of the reason, what we're setting up is part of the reason that mustard is so French. I feel like a, a, a buffoon for never acknowledging that. The the hints were all there. The clues were all there. Famous mustards have French names. Dijon, Grey Poupon. You know what I mean? And, and uh, French. That's such an American answer to it. They were just like, let's Wait, call no, it no, no. French. Is, I think it's, is it French or is it Frenches? I always thought it was Frenches. Well, I don't mess with it. I told you guys. That's yeah, but, but, then, but then there's also French's onions. So I'm, I, I, I think it is French's. It is French's. You're okay. right. Noel's correct. But are they the yeah. same ones that make the little little fried onion doodles? I think so. I think it's the same company. Okay. Interesting. Interesting. Mm. I, Interesting. I will get on it. Yes. Yes. Get on it. Report back. Uh, and also keep recording our show. Uh, just do these eight things, man. Thank you. So this was, uh, the signs were all there. Mustard in the Western world is very much associated with French culture, and it became such a part of it that it played a role in folklore. Uh, In the days of the Middle Ages, people thought if you scatter mustard seeds around your house, you'll ward away evil spirits. They also, this also goes into India because the first cultivations, like, you know, as you said, in the Indus Valley and so on, um, I read somewhere that. Once upon a time, people in the areas of what's now modern-day Germany, like uh, women about to get married, would be told to sow mustard seeds into their dress so that they could have dominance in the marriage. Very interesting. I like how Noel, just because we're an audio podcast, everybody, I love how I love how Noel just, like you had a meaningful nod, like, yeah, it checks out, yeah. No, no, but that, <laughs> I, the, you know, sometimes the, the, the visual nod is the more, uh, the more um, sincere about reaction. It. And then <laughs> I have to, oh, wait, podcast, got to say words. <laughs> right. Same. Yes. Same. Yeah. Sometimes I just go, hmm, you know. Well, okay. We've all heard about English mustard on this side of the, the pond. So how did it become an English thing, right? 
Right. Yeah. I mean, you know, and it, it really is kind of a English staple, you know, like the baked bean, right? Yeah. <laughs> right. Uh, the, um, in 1390, there's this book written by a royal cook, King Richard II's royal cook. He writes a book called The Form of Curry, uh, which is spelled F-O-R-M-E, and curry is spelled C-U-R-Y. So maybe it's The Form of Curry. Uh, anyways, 1390, and this guy, this cook, is all about mustard balls. This reminds me of uh, stoner food. Well, yes, and also definitely going to use that as a expletive stand-in. Holy mustard balls! <laughs> yeah, there we go. Yeah, yeah. what 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 doth a mustard ball uh, be? Oh gosh. Okay. Yeah, I don't know if I. I've never tried this. I don't know if you, if you guys would be into it. Um, all right, you you grind up the mustard seed, but you kind of coarsely grind it, yeah. right? Mortar and pestle. You mix it with flour, and you and then you throw cinnamon in it, and you put some kind of water in there. You roll it into balls, and you dry it up. And when you need to use it in food, you pour wine or vinegar on it and stir it around. Interesting. I don't know how I feel I'm about not, this. Yeah. I'll take a sausage ball, you know. Oh, yeah, 100%. Sausage ball, sure. Yeah. Put some mustard uh, powder in the sausage ball. I'm down, you know. Yeah, definitely. We're open-minded. I don't know. Yeah, a lot of these, like, Renaissance-type foods. Uh, Have you ever seen Heston Blumenthal's? Uh, I know you're familiar with him as a a chef. Mm -hmm. But he he makes, like, he's got a show for a while where he would do these, like, medieval kind of dishes and oh, one of yeah. them was like yeah, yeah. meat fruit where it was like mm-hmm. fruit that looked like meat but um yeah a lot of those things from those days were were odd it was a big flex actually we should have uh jack and miles back on because uh that that's an historical weird flex if you were a, a member of the aristocracy or royalty you would want your chefs or your cooks they would call them at that time to make food look like other food. Right. That was apparently the big flavor trip. The flex. Of the day. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So mustard balls. Uh, we haven't tried them. Uh, I'm not a cinnamon guy, so I don't know if they'll work for me. But uh, town, entire towns became really known for their mustard balls. Uh, some were mixed with horseradish in the case of the town of Tewksbury. Uh, and those... The mustard balls from that town were even mentioned in the work of Shakespeare. In part two of his play, King Henry IV, they talk about mustard balls. It's a blink and you miss it moment, but there you go. Billy Shakes was old old Billy Shakes was was pretty tuned into the pop cultural stuff of the time. And it's always a neat read to kind of go in and see, you know, what the what the what the what the regular folk in the street were into. And apparently it was mustard balls. Yeah. And, you know, if you've read much about William Shakespeare, there is absolutely no doubt the man went goblin mode on numerous occasions. No question. This episode of Ridiculous History is brought to you by Snagajob. Snagajob is where America goes to hire with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring. With access to over 6 million active hourly workers, Snagajob is the all-in-one solution for hiring high-quality employees who can cover all your needs on-demand, temp-to-hire, part-time, or full-time. You name the position. Warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, podcast producer. Yeah, Snagajob's got a worker for that. With their easy-to-use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snagajob is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. Visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com where America goes to hire. This episode is brought to you by eBay Motors. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Noel, do you remember your favorite car? 
Well, yeah, um, it was a uh, an Eddie Bauer edition Ford Explorer. Oh, that's and cool. I, yeah, I, I just remember it was my dad's. I, I was a hand me down car kind of kid. Dad would buy a new car, I'd get that car, and I just remember feeling so awesome being up above everybody, like I was mm. in Mad Max or something. You know, I had a lot of uh, land yachts that I loved. I had Pontiac yeah. Bonneville's. Right. Oh, I never had an El Camino. My dad had one. And that was a, that was a real interesting use of our collective time, keeping that thing running. But I think these cars all kind of speak to us because they were such a fundamental part of our lives. Do you remember when I had that Monte Carlo? That's what I meant. I, meant, I said El Camino and I met Monte Carlo. I miss it. So uh, the Monte Carlo was tough. I had a series of Monte Carlos and the last one, God bless it. I just, I, I had to learn a lot about car maintenance just to keep that guy running. Totally. It it still was like a, a perfect fit. It's almost like finding your true love. Uh, You know, like when you recently got a car a few years back now, Oh, man. And funny you should say that. That particular perfect fit was the Honda Fit, which I love dearly. But, Ben, it's getting a little long in the tooth. And while it's been incredibly reliable up to now, it's getting to that age where I might have to start looking for some parts here and there to keep it running. Mm -hmm. And that's where eBay Motors comes in. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly. Brake kits, LED headlights, roof racks, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. So keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. When the Taliban banned music in Afghanistan, millions were plunged into silence. Radios were smashed. Cassettes burned. You could be beaten or jailed or killed for breaking the rules. And yet, Afghans did it anyway. This is the story of how a group of people brought music back to Afghanistan by creating their own version of American Idol. The danger they endured. They said my head should be cut off. The joy they brought to the nation. You're free completely. No one is there to destroy you. I'm John Legend. Listen to Afghan Star on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Okay, so that's some ancient to medieval times history, right? About mustard. Yeah. But where do we meet all this modern mustard? All this stuff we have. I don't have any mustard balls. I just have regular balls. Cut that part. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't know. If you end up with in goblin mode uh, at the fridge in the middle of the night, you might be surprised what ends up on your balls. There we go. Oh. All right. Yeah. No, let's keep it in. Don't cut my balls, Max. Uh, oh. so in, uh, in 1777, modern history of mustard begins. There are two guys, Maurice Gray and Antoine Poupon. They found a company that might sound familiar. Bonus points to anybody who's saying, oh, yeah, of uh, course. Uh, 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 <laughs> pardon, pardon me. Mm-hmm. Do you have any gray poupon? Anybody remember that? Oh, yeah. Everyone too I young? The, the I know, I know. We, pull up. Yeah, yeah. And then, of course, Wayne's World. They did it in, in the movie. Oh, right, right. They, they did. They, they did the bit. Uh, very Because, of course, you know, there's like a like an old stuffy British couple in a Rolls Royce. And, you know, Wayne does the, like, universal sign for rolling down the window of a Rolls Royce. Uh, <laughs> of course, they just go speeding off. Um, yeah. That was a golden age. of It was like the commercials like that and Mentos where people were just doing wacky stuff, you know, cl- clearly inspired by whatever the product was. You know, the guy where he's like, he accidentally sits on a bench and gets pain on his suit and then he eats a Mentos and then like rolls around on the bench and it becomes a pinstripe suit and the painter looks at him like, you, you scamp. You, mm. you really figured it out. And this is, so this is a, a strange thing. Uh, it's very capitalistic. So Maurice Gray is a man with a vision. He has a recipe for some real home run mustard. 
And Poupon has money. He's the money. He's the EP. So <laughs> he's not the most creative guy, but uh, they, they, they set up shop. They make a store that is still around to this day in Dijon, France. And then another, uh, another mustard maker enters the fray. Uh, it's spelled M-A-L-L-E, Mail, uh, founded in 1747 in Paris. And if you're in Paris in this period of time, and you're anyone who's anyone, you're hanging out with the famous libertine. Fellow ridiculous historians, he's back for an unexpected cameo. The the <laughs> the lover's lover, the uh, brilliant thinker, the Tony Stark of his day, Benjamin Franklin. Oh, Benny Franks. Yeah, what a Lothario that fellow was. But also just an absolute upstart and brilliant mind. But uh, yeah, quite the cad. Mm, he loved... He loved a lot of things. Uh, he also loved mustard. And right now, a lot of historians are guessing that he brought mustard to the U.S. when he returned from being ambassador to France. So he came back in 1758 and he was like, guys, France is wild. Check this out. Yeah. And they're like, oh, ho, ho, what is this delectable flavor, Benjamin? That's what people were <laughs> right. I, bet ben, I bet Benny Franks could go full goblin mode. Oh, he well, stayed goblin mode the whole time. <laughs> he kind of looked like a goblin a little bit. Yeah, no, he was, yeah. he was activated. He was fully activated, as they would say on LA leakers. But so uh, this other, this other um, mustard company is still around today. Uh, Male, excuse our pronunciation, not native French speakers, or Male. Uh, they start in Marseille. There's this local distiller also named Antoine, and he sells, he's selling vinegar on the street. Okay. You know, wow. he's, yeah, he's not the king. Yeah. This no, guy. No, <laughs> that's the least sexy product to sell on the street. <laughs> I sell street, he's street yeah, level street vinegar. vinegar. <laughs> yeah. No, I like street level vinegar. I love it. Oh my. It's like, it's like, was it bespoke, you know, artisanal vinegar? Unclear. <laughs> um, you know, there certainly are shops like that. He was uh, not straight seahorse teeth. I, I don't think so. Oh man, you're bringing it back. Blast from the past. This is a pre max. Thing. Straight seahorse teeth, Max, is a is a euphemism for something being on the level and yeah. super legit. Yeah. Because okay. uh teeth back in the day, you could get teeth, you know, false teeth made out of all kinds of crazy shit. Uh and I think one of them was seahorse teeth. I don't remember like it was carved from seahorses. I can't remember exactly, but it was definitely on the menu. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think they were from uh the hippopotamus. That correct? That's right. Oh, yeah. that was yeah, definitely. Oh, that's it. Sorry, seahorse was referring to the hippopotamus, not in fact tiny seahorses, which likely don't have teeth. And if they do, yeah. they would, you'd need so many of them to even make a single tooth that would fit inside a human mouth. But we I do like. I think we like it that. because the image of seahorse teeth is is, is adorable. Yeah, and the idea—it's like the straight poop, as they say in the Midwest. Oof, but so it's, yeah, give me the straight I, seahorse I teeth. Yeah, give it to me. Oh man, that was a fun episode. Maybe really we was. make that a, a classic episode. Sometime. Oh, I think so too. Yeah, I, I, I missed that. Was early. That was early days. Mm -hmm. uh, and so this guy is peddling street level vinegar. Not the best, you know, position in the social hierarchy of the time. Along comes a plague in seventeen twenty three. Like you do. Like you do. And uh, sales increase for Antoine. Because people are so desperate to protect themselves that they say, hey, uh, if we spray ourselves with this street peddler's vinegar, maybe we will be <laughs> safe from the plague. And uh, he gets really popular. He gets so successful that he's able to move off the streets and into a, a real shop. Yeah. And uh, yeah. Yeah. You know, I mean, like we know vinegar certainly does stuff. Uh, but uh, plague cure all, it is not. No, so in sir. this case, it would be a bit of a snake oil situation, yeah. Just so, yeah. And so he, uh, so he starts selling his vinegar in a respectable storefront, and then he also starts selling mustard, and he gets crazy famous. French kings like Louis the Fifteenth love him. Royalty around the world, uh, you can still buy this mustard today. It's a worldwide brand. 
across the pond, there's another place, or across the channel, I should say, England's Keen and Sons is founded the same year, but they're still not the biggest mustard maker in England. Not for that guy doesn't come around for another 50 years. A fellow by the name of Jeremiah Coleman, who who was a miller, uh, he decided to go, as you like to say, Ben, ten toes down on, mm. on mustard. Uh, and he started himself a, a mustard business, the Coleman's Mustard of England uh, Company in 1814. And maybe less so here, certainly one that I've heard of, but I think is really a household name uh, in, in the U.K., yeah, yeah, Coleman's Mustard. Uh, in 1814, he makes this stuff. And it makes sense because he's a miller, right? So he already has one of the main parts of the mustard-making process solved, which is grinding those seeds. He's got a mill. It makes sense. Uh, and he figures out how to grind mustard seeds into this powder uh, without creating heat. Uh, you don't want heat because the heat will evaporate the oil and take away that mustardy flavor. So he gets really uh, he gets really popular for this. Queen Victoria gets word, and he is appointed the official mustard maker to Queen Victoria in 1866. Uh, and then we see if we go back to France, mustard is still very much a French thing. They're blowing up. Um, they're blowing up in Burgundy in particular because of charcoal which is not something you think of with mustard. You're never going to find charcoal-flavored mustard, hopefully. Uh, until World War II, a bunch of the wilderness in Burgundy was used to grow mustard seeds. They were planting these areas where uh, the wildlands had been cleared for charcoal. And charcoal mm. ashes are a great are, are great for growing mustard seeds. For soil, that's yeah. Yeah, it, it adds a nutrient-rich, uh, mm -hmm. yeah component to the soil that that is interesting i never really would have thought about that and in my mind i'm thinking too is like is this contributing in any way to the flavor uh maybe i, I don't know so mustard had some of its ups and downs as it goes through you know geopolitics as it goes through various regimes monarchies and so on uh it does decline a little bit in the early 18th century because people are able to get other sorts of spices that they couldn't afford or find before. And the big thing that happens is that Dijon becomes the number one capital of mustard in 1856 when this guy named Jean Najon substitutes verjus for vinegar in prepared mustard. It's smooth, it's less acidic, it's still not the yellow mustard. Was the yellow, that the, the yeah. grape stuff? Yeah. 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 He's like spicy grape mustard. Uh, so, uh, that we got to talk about the yellow mustard. It doesn't come along until a world's fair. Yeah. The golden age, har, har, har of mustard. Da -da, da -da. Uh, well, no, actually, that's earlier. That's that. That really is that burgundy and, and Dijon. But mustard is typically golden. In fact, the yellow mustard, I would not uh, call golden. I would call that yellow. Uh, it's, it's just bright old McDonald's golden arches yellow. Um, even though golden is in the name of the golden arches. And they should just be the yellow arches. But that's uh, neither here nor there. Yeah. Uh, see, I No, I got your back. So uh, the, the yellow mustard we know today, likely, I'm going to guess, was not a European concoction. Uh, it was, in fact, uh, a concoction of the great state of New York uh, and specifically the great city of Rochester in 1904. And you're absolutely right, Ben. Um, this was specifically debuted at the, the World's Fair of that year as a pairing with the great American hot dog. Ah, so they've always been combined. There's Entwined, a big, yeah. big list of stuff that was that uh, came into the zeitgeist because of that 1904 World's Fair. The hot dog, hamburger, iced tea, peanut butter, the club sandwich, iced tea, the drink. Sir, if you're listening, yeah, for sure, not you, the drink. <laughs> um, but the uh, and then uh, this yellow mustard is one of those, and so now. 
If you look around the world, you'll see more than 7 million pounds of mustard are consumed every single year. It is ever the bridesmaid, never the bride. It is still the second most used spice in the United States, number one being pepper. Yeah, yeah, pepper. And, uh, you know, there's certain people that... um, pepper is too spicy for and those same people probably aren't uh, aren't super into mustard I, I would i would i would uh, conjecture there yeah they might be those folks who are called super tasters right have you ever heard of those i have there's yeah. actually a test you can take i think where there's like a strip that you put in your mouth and if it tastes sweat sour or something then you're a super taster yeah, they're they're more sensitive to sweet and salty and umami stuff, but their main thing is they're very sensitive to bitter taste. So they're not going to like tamarind or something like that. But here we we've <laughs> we've gone. I you know it's it's weird because uh, before we were getting ready to record, I was saying, guys, we'll punch you today. This is definitely going to be really quick, one and done. And here we are, Noel. It's almost an hour. Uh, what do you say? We call it a we call it a day and get yeah. get something to nosh on, Max. I think so. Yeah, dip it, slather it. Yeah, well, guys, I do have something. This was requested earlier, so I have it for you. Yes, French's is an American brand of prepared mustard, condiments, fried onions, and other food items that was created by Robert Timothy French. So it is a guy's name, not from France. Uh, nominative determinism. I'm calling it. Ding ding. It even says at the top of the Wikipedia page, French's mustard redirects here, not to be confused with French mustard. Who's that creeping out of your phone? It's Max! And he dropped the knowledge just for you. So good. There he goes. Max gave you his Max! Ooh, it's been a problem. We've stumbled into a controversy. Uh, well, with that then, I think we... we Pass the torch or the uh, yellow container of ballpark mustard uh, to our fellow ridiculous historians. Uh, there are so many things we didn't get to about how runners, believe, long ter- long distance, like marathon runners, believe in eating mustard packets. Uh, there's a mustard. Oh, like for luck? No, no. They Like it, it, it gives them energy. Weird. Right? Uh, they swear by it. Okay. And, and uh, other People athletes. People who run are weird. Yeah. <laughs> we haven't talked about... Uh, you know, National Mustard Day or Mustard Museums. We can save that for another day uh, because this is starting to give me, make me a mite peckish. I might have to go get a hot dog and uh, Dijon mustard on a hot dog or maybe like a, a stone ground kind of grainy mustard. I need to uh, re-up my mustard stores. I'm, 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 I was actually, you know, I, I actually had a bratwurst for lunch today. Oh, and cool. I put some Golden's Brown on it. Oh, and yeah. I was down to the squirty bits, if you know what I mean. Oh, yeah, where it's partially the juice. <laughs> I hate the juice. I don't like it. So we hope that you are having a wonderful December, everybody. Uh, we'll be back with more soon. Uh, heads up or heads off. We're going to talk about some royal deaths. Uh, In the meantime, thanks as always to our super producer, Mr. Max Williams, and his brother, Alex Williams, who composed this slap and bop. Christopher Asiotis here in spirit. He was Jeffco wandering the world, the wide world of sports and and adventures and all of that good stuff. And uh, Jonathan Strickland, the quister, whose uh, visage will soon be darkening our collective doorstep. And thanks also to, let's see, who else? Oh, thanks to our our peers and colleagues over at Ridiculous News, Ridiculous Romance, and of course, Ridiculous Crimes. It's a crime, you might say, that uh, we haven't had them back on the show. Uh, I think that's a crime that we can either solve or make right, like like a superhero or something. Uh, But also, a few final thanks. Thanks to Mean Mr. Mustard, Colonel Mustard, yeah. Uh, any other mustard ca- characters oh, of note? Oh gosh, yeah. I had. Uh, oh, oh. There's. Um, yes, yes. Uh, there's the mustard. Uh, mean Mr. Mustard. We mentioned yeah. that already, right? Uh-huh, yeah. uh, and then there's um, all the the mustard colored clothes in the Harry Potter books. Uh, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> shout out to Canada. They make a ton of mustard for export. 
there's a ska band called Mustard Plug. You remember uh, Mustard Plug? Yeah, I used to mustard. Love, I, oh man, I've been so into weird international ska. Well, yeah. it's not. It's weird to me. They just call it ska in you know Russia or uh, Japan or wherever. Well, hey Ben, thanks to you. Thanks to you, sir. We'll see you next time, folks. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. This is the story of how a group of people brought music back to Afghanistan by creating their own version of American Idol. The joy they brought to the nation. You're free completely. No one is there to destroy you. The danger they endured. They said my head should be cut off. I'm John Legend. Listen to Afghan Star on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. A new season of Bridgerton is here. And with it, a new season of Bridgerton, the official podcast. I'm your host, Gabby Collins. And this season, we are bringing fans even deeper into the ton. Watch season three of the Shondaland series on Netflix. Then fall in love all over again by listening to Bridgerton, the official podcast, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Subscribe to catch a new episode every Thursday. Hey, girlfriends, it's me, Carol Fisher, back with another season of the global number one podcast, The Girlfriends. Last time, we investigated the murder of Gail Katz. This time, we're uncovering the identity of the woman who was buried in Gail's grave for a decade before she disappeared. Join me and the rest of the club as we tell her story. Listen to season two of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.